Who can inspire us here in the modern day and age where we live? Our culture needs inspiration, and as we remember 9-11, we look around our world and see that there is so much wholehearted evil that is consuming everything around us. We see things like Netflix's new show, Cuties, which is, as it turns out, worse than we imagined. And we can see moral decay just about everywhere we turn our eyes. But despite that, we have hope in Christ Jesus, and we do find a few pieces of good information here and there in our world. We find good information and good news coming from the U.S. Marshal Service, who are doing good work as defenders of children. And even in a, a lesser serious matter, but also nonetheless good, the U.S. Marshals are also the defenders of puppies, as we will find out today. And yes, that is in fact a real news story. They are the defenders of puppies as well. And we know that Christ is our ultimate inspiration across eternity, not just for one generation, but for all of us, no matter where we live. And when we look at our world right now, we are reminded that we are called to live Christ-like, which means that we should bring inspiration to the world around us. We look around and we see with our eyes that there are many real villains in our world, real Bond villains, real supervillains straight out of comic books, they with their themes and all sorts of just wily schemes that they're implementing. And we have to ask the question, if we did see such a ripe, fertile ground for villainy in our world, what superheroes might come to the real world from fiction and who would we like to see rise in this moment to help us have inspiration to give us some inspirational figures to to see around us so we're going to be talking about all of that and more thank you for joining us this is kingdom of the logos a christian program of critical thinking and adventure i'm pastor jay dylan proctor and there are two others here with me today in the studio i'm pastor amanda sparrow and i'm pastor mike proctor and pastor amanda would you open us up in prayer as we begin of course let us pray Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this blessing of time and space that we may come and gather uh, to discuss the events of our world, and, but also to find moments of where we are fixing our eyes not on the things of this world, but on you. So give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and the holy courage to follow through. We ask these things in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 So we're almost two decades beyond 9-11. And as we look back, we can see how our nation could find unity after witnessing so great an evil. But now unity truly seems but a faint memory in our world around us. And our culture is in quite serious need of inspiration, something which has aspirations to achieve the great beauties and nobilities that we are called to as men and women created in the image of God. And today we are going to be talking about how we can be inspired. And for our main conversation, we are going to be talking about which superheroes we would like to see come in the world. But before we get there, I want to go over two quick things which happened in the news this week that are worth our attention. Um, the first of which is Netflix's show Cutie. So we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. It's basically a little girl's beauty pageant of sorts, but it's got some other things mixed in there with it. And it is highly sexualized. And this was hypothesized to be sexualized based on the ads that came out early on. And as it turns out, it is worse than what people imagined now that it's actually been released on Netflix. So I kind of want to ask to Pastor Amanda and Pastor Mike, should we from here forwards, whenever we hear something, whatever the topic is, should we just assume that it's worse than we imagined? Is that a fair way to look at the world going forwards? Yeah. And of course, this assumption doesn't negate our responsibility to investigate, but yeah, I think we always only hear a sanitized version of a story. So, yeah, yeah, you know, you know, I, I I agree. You know, we have to assume, but I think Amanda, Pastor Amanda, said something extremely important. That is, and we have to investigate, and we have to look and and um, you know, sort out what is fact, what have we been told lies about, what have we been mis misled in, and then of course, hopefully, what have we been told the truth about? So. I think we have to look at every situation and investigate it. Yeah. And so another good story that happened, that, that was a bad story, but <laughs> moving now story. to a good story. Mm. Um, so another good story in the course of the U.S. Marshals. I should lead with that. Um, so last few weeks, we've seen the U.S. Marshals. They have done really God's work in rescuing children. We saw Operation Safety Net, Operation Not Forgotten, both in Ohio and Georgia. We saw children being rescued. Well, this last week, the U.S. Marshals, they captured some Howell fugitives. So this is in Howell, which is in Monmouth, New Jersey. They arrested two who were wanted in the deaths of four stolen puppies. So these people here, they stole German Shepherd's puppies and killed them. 
And the U.S. Marshal Service run in there and took care of the situation. And this kind of leaves me in a position where I've got a few questions. One, do we just need like a bat phone, <laughs> like from the original 1966, like Batman TV series that's got like one button on it? You just call it and like, here, U.S. Marshal Service, we, we need you to go over to Netflix. I know that might be a little bit outside your jurisdiction, <laughs> but it seems like y'all have the right energy and inertia to handle Netflix like mm. they need to. So thank you, U.S. Marshal Service. Go to Netflix headquarters. Goodbye. What do y'all think? Do we should we just call the U.S. Marshal in on everything now? <laughs> I, you know, I, I agree. I, I I say yes. We do need uh, a U.S. Marshal button, bat phone, bat light, or whatever, and just shine <laughs> it up and say we need you, or just push the button and and uh, send them on over here, there, and everywhere. Um, it is great to see the you know our taxpaying dollars going to something great like this, and that's something I can truly get behind and support. Is uh, and we see an element of justice taking place here. So yes, yeah, Amanda, do we need a bat phone for the U.S. Marshals? Yeah, I, well, <laughs> I think it's it's a weird thing that um, you know we have rules and regulations for a reason that that keep our our. Uh, various agencies in check so that innocent people aren't hurt but there is something about uh those agencies that are doing what needs to be done that you wish they would just keep on doing that yeah and you could enact your own sort of a not vengeance but we'll call it justice <laughs> well, you see, that, that's really why the batman phone kind of reference works so well because like in the original television batman that the live action original one um batman is like a actual like commissioned police officer yeah, he works but at the with, same time he works outside the law just a little bit yeah um and, and I, I think those kind of agencies are quite and um i've kind of likened them to almost the jesuits who work within the catholic church but they're always kind of that fringe um and i think every agency needs kind of that fringe agency within it that kind of pulls them anytime that they try to fall into bureaucracy or fall into corruption there's somebody saying hey like, this is a good thing we're supposed to be doing. Let's keep doing it, but yeah. let's do it. Uh, let's not fall in, into these kind of systemized uh, yeah, we, destructions. You've, you've got that niche carved out mm. where you really are doing the good work that you're supposed to and not just being run-of-the-mill bureaucratic yeah. garbage. Yeah, and, and that's what, yeah, I think uh, whether it's a phone or, like Mike said, the, the bat signal or something, um, uh, we need more of that. Yes, we need more of that. And, and I think that would be the appropriate reaction to Netflix, at minimum, <laughs> is to send in the U.S. Marshal Service. It, it, it deserves more than that. Um, but the U.S. Marshal Service, you know, that's a little outside their jurisdiction. I know that. I get <laughs> But, you know, we're going to call them up. All right, so getting into our, our big conversation that I want us to have today. So we are in need of inspiration. And particularly, we are in an age of wholehearted evil. Now, this wholehearted evil, it is distinguished by being evil that ignores truth. It ignores truth and goodness rather than simply trying to defy it. This is evil that looks strikingly like innocence to those that do not have eyes transformed by God. And this is evil that it comes. It wants to instill unbelief, especially inside the church. And as Matthew tells us in chapter 6, verse 23, says, But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great then is that darkness? And this is really the idea that there are things which profess themselves to be light, but they're not. This is the truly flipping of the script that says good is evil and evil is good. You know, you can go back to the Old Testament, you can look in Isaiah, you can find even in the Psalms, the Proverbs, this whole wisdom given about the, the way of wickedness, the wiles of, of the accuser, they come and they try to flip the script on what is good, what is evil. Even in the book of Job, Job really is put through all the suffering because the accuser comes along and says, hey God, you know, Job's not really a good man. You're paying him to be good. There is no real righteousness. There's no real good. It's all evil. And God says, no, there is good and evil. And, and you find that, that interesting um, poetry there, which is, is brutal to read, but is nonetheless meaningful. And we put that in the larger context of our world, and we are reminded that there is real good and evil, but the line between the two is, is a difficult line to walk. The, the line that, that is straight and narrow, that looks towards good and understands where we are called to go, where we are called to walk in the light, that we're not just to be neutral, that we're supposed to just take this morally 
amoral stance, but we are to be ones who assert what is good, what is true, what is beautiful, to walk that line towards Christ and not be confused, not be deceived by what is evil. That is such a difficult thing. So in our modern day and age, there's no question that villains are real. Sinful hearts that are being possessed by wholeheartedly evil ideas, it is a terrible combination. And we can see in our world around us that supervillains, themed supervillains, Bond villains, they're all real. And we're in a time which is really illuminating that. But this is also a time ripe for great figures of hope and aspiration. And I think our world is really hungry for some hope and aspiration. So I want us to answer the question of what comic book character would you like to bring to life if you could and why? Now, we we ran out of time for this last week, so that's (laughs) why we're doing this as our main conversation. And I'll just let... Let us begin. Uh, my, I'll give, my answer is going to be Superman because he is wholeheartedly good. And people cannot write good Superman stories right now because our culture does not believe in absolute truth. It doesn't believe in absolute goodness. And therefore, writers can't write a Superman story because we think, well, we have to do something complicated where there's this sort of internal struggle. Our culture doesn't understand something which is good because it is. You know, the whole name of God, I am. This whole idea of something being fundamentally good. But I'll get into that in a minute. <laughs> That's just my little foretaste. And now I'm going to turn this over to, to Amanda. Who okay. would you bring? Uh, my first answer was Captain America. And actually, when I was talking uh, to some friends or just people about it, I had mentioned that, and it shocked somebody. And I think it was because um, I've been uh, vocal in the, small, in the group that I was discussing about some of my disappointments and critiques about the uh, America and its government and some structural things that need to be addressed. And so I think they were surprised. They're like, well, Captain America, why, why him? Like, cause well, actually Captain America, if we look at his story, both in the comics and in, in the MCU, uh, he stands for justice. He stands for compassion. And one of his lines in his first movie that's often repeated is that he doesn't like bullies no matter where they come from. And he fights against these systems of oppression, whether it's, you know, Hitler and Nazi Germany, or it's even his own government, his own agency. And we see that in uh, Civil War uh, storylines and even a little bit in Winter Soldier. Um, And and the reason I like him is because he has this strong moral stance and he's not afraid to stand against people, even his own friends. Uh, Even the people he thought were supposed to be supporting him and he was even supposed to be responsible to and for, he stands up for what's right. And that's what I, and um, there's a personality thing and I don't give him a lot of credit, but one of these personality uh, books talks about the personality type of the loyal skeptic. And that's what my sister says I am. Um, So maybe I I relate deeply to Captain America. But I think that's what Captain America is as well. The loyal skeptic is someone who stands for something, who stands uh, firm and faithful within a certain maybe organization, group, or even faith, uh, but also is the voice that says, "Uh, maybe we shouldn't be doing that, or maybe we should be doing this better, or maybe we need to be thinking this and rethinking this and reviewing it. And I think we need that in our culture, in our country today, is not someone who's just wanting... Because also I've been accused of being an anarchist as well. Um, we don't need to burn everything to the ground. Maybe. Uh, no. Um, but we do need, there are some things that do need well, to be to, deconstructed. To kind of pick up where you're at. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll ramble for hours on this. So There is a difference between a disloyal skeptic mm-hmm. and a loyal skeptic. Yeah. And what we see taking prominence in our society right now are disloyal skeptics. Well, and I think I think there's I think some people to give people the benefit of the doubt. I think there are people who really want real good change, but it's like they, they can't see the forest through the trees. Yeah. And that's what it takes patience and strength. And listen, that might call us to do some ugly things. So I'm I'm not against doing what needs to get done. And sometimes that may look like disobeying laws. But we have to know why we're doing it, and then we have to know what re- what yeah. are we replacing when we deconstruct something. And so, again, it may look a lot like vigilantism, but within a certain context. Yeah. Um, so, and I think Captain America toes that line so beautifully that he, even better than someone like Batman or even, I know you're going to talk about Superman, but I think Captain America just does it so well. And he works also so well within a group with people like Tony Stark and, you know, Iron Man, 
who are complete opposites of him. And yet he is able to work within people he disagrees with and yet still find unity of purpose and unity of getting the job done. Um, so that's what, I, again, I could talk hours about this because I, I really love Captain America. So that's, he's my choice. If anyone could come out of the fictional world and set the world straight, it would be Steve Rogers. Yeah. All right. Uh, Pastor Mike. <laughs> well, um, I would go probably with uh, Wonder Woman uh, for several reasons. Number one, well, I think our culture is is uh, at a place where truth doesn't really seem to matter anymore, and she has that lasso of truth, and we need truth. And even uh, we see Pilate with Jesus, what is truth? And, and Christ Jesus is the, the way, the truth, and the life. But I think there's a tremendous need for truth because our, our people uh, in this country have been lied so much to through different ways and and um, culture that it is absolutely exhausting searching for what is the truth almost every story um, as we mentioned earlier you need to investigate you just you know you, you, yeah you can assume maybe the worst but you got to investigate and that's that's exhausting um, it's exhausting on myself and uh, and I'm sure it is for for most everyone that I talk to but um, at the end of the day I, I think having someone that is, uh, you know, a loyalist to the country. There's a need for patriotism to come back to this country, I feel like. And, uh, you know, I, sure, you know, may, maybe our country has some faults, has some problems, but it still is, is a country uh, that I feel like has great potential. And it is uh, an opportunity for us to to make those changes. But I would I would love to see the lasso of truth be uh, you know placed on a lot of our leaders in this country, in our churches, um, you know, in our education systems everywhere. Alrighty. Well, um, and this is going to be an interesting conversation. Um, because my take on things, kind of combining what y'all said, which personally, I'm not a big fan of deconstruction because I've seen so many times people take apart things and they don't realize that they didn't really understand what they were taking apart. And I think if we were to put the Wonder Woman lasso of truth around people, we would find that there are a lot less people who are loyal skeptics than we think there are. Hmm. And simply because, and you know, the scriptures teaches of this, you know, first John, the first epistle of John. To, just to be specific there, in chapter 2, it reminds us in verse 16, for all that is in the world, the desires, the flesh, the desire of the eyes, the pride and riches, it comes not from the Father but of the world. And, you know, outside of God, everything does eventually end up in Gehana. Like, that's just the way that it goes. Outside of that, there is no restraint. And I, I really do think there's a lot of people who have told themselves that they're interested in revolution for good reasons. But when we look at history whether you look at Italy, whether you look at Germany, whether you look at Russia, whether you look at China, you generally find that they, on the front end, told you we were loyal skeptics, but in the end it was, I want my tyranny to be imposed on you. Mm -hmm. It wasn't actually, we want to make things better. And when we look at our world right now, my answer to this question, though initially I wanted to say that it was um, Zorro, but <laughs> no, it's, it's actually not, it's Superman. Uh, when I was younger, I wasn't typically interested in Superman. I had been so kind of indoctrinated by our modern culture that I thought, you know, Superman, he would be boring because he's like so perfect. You know, he doesn't have any sort of, you know, story arc. But that was all hogwash. I had been brainwashed. No, Superman is a character that we need right now, especially because he is wholehearted good. We are seeing wholehearted evil in a way that a lot of people are not used to in our world. And Hollywood knows how to write a character that is wholeheartedly evil. I think one of the best characters I've ever seen written was also the most evil character I've ever seen written. And again, I don't say it's best written because I think she was good or I like her, but I mean, they just executed it to perfection. Is this character Rose the Hat from Stephen King's book, The um, Doctor Sleep, which is the sequel to The Shining. And I've got a picture here of Rose the Hat pulled up, and I would like to see a Superman movie where it's Superman versus, <laughs> versus um, Rose, the Hat. Rose the Hat, because what you would get in that is wholehearted evil versus wholehearted good. And if you don't know who Rose the Hat is, she is kind of this woman, kind of a hippie-esque, who she doesn't have eternal life, but she has near eternal life from killing children and eating their souls. And, and, and she tortures children to death, and somehow that flavors their soul as she eats it. Um, it is evil beyond anything I've ever seen. And it's, 
it was a character that actually had, you know, no, not some misunderstood, you know, not really a villain, just society made her do it. No, wholehearted evil. Um, and Superman, who is wholeheartedly good, which, of course, the character of Superman is a little bit of a combination between Moses and Christ himself, this idea of, of one coming to bring deliverance. And to see something aspirational, which, of course, nobody can be Superman, just like we are not called when we're told to be Christ-like. We're not called to go up to the throne of heaven, you know, do some Tower of Babel monument where we've got our big ladder, we've got our big staircase, and we're suddenly up there at the throne of heaven and we say, oh, yes, God, move aside. I have this throne. No, we're called to be Christ-like because we aspire to something. And the closer and closer we get to it, the more beautiful the world is and the more beautiful we are as we navigate the world and we love our neighbors and even our enemies. And we need a Superman-type aspirational figure in pop culture. We need these stories. Um, of course, Superman is a, is a perfect template for this. But the reason why people can't write a good Superman story <laughs> is because our culture has ceased to believe in absolute truth and absolute good and absolute morality. And therefore, Hollywood writers, they don't know how to write Superman. You, you've got to have these... Um, the, the Superman Returns movie, which people kind of um, pay I don't think a I've bit. actually watched the entire... I don't think I've ever... You know what? We were talking last week about, like, after the show, movies we never finished. And I do believe uh, Superman Returns is, is a movie I never yeah, finished. It's, it's not that bad of a movie, but it's not that good. The Man of Steel movie was, was much better. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't as transcendentally good as it could have been. And I think that really was because... Hollywood doesn't have that appreciation for, like they can make into the movie the sacrifice. They tried to take those Christian elements of, you know, this is basically God being incarnate, surrendering himself, allowing himself to be handcuffed and that sort of thing. But they don't really understand what that means. But it was very obvious that they do understand what wholehearted evil means because when they came to write Rose the Hat, or Stephen King did, nailed, this is basically the devil incarnate. Mm. Um, Evil beyond our imagination. So, I actually think this is a good selection of characters. Wonder Woman's Lasso of Truth. Um, Captain America. D- does he need to have a motorcycle too? Yes. Yes. Um, yes. The I'm motorci- sure I'm saying yes for a totally different reason than Mike is, but yes. Um, uh, well, you know what? The motorcycle is aspirational, yeah. Um, yeah. We need we need a little bit of that unchained vinegar in the, the blood. Ride that yes. motorcycle. Um, and, and I'm so sad that, like, because we, we're not going to have Iron Man or Steve Rogers as Captain America um, or, um, well, Chris Evans as Captain America or Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man anymore in the future movies. It's just, I wish almost they would go back and remake. Um, they could remake the first Captain America and I would be happy. And they could remake the second and third Iron Man again. I would be happy. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I think most people would be happy if Iron Man 2 and 3 were remade. <laughs> um, I don't know that anybody would give you any But it's any sad we won't that. have those characters anymore, and I'll yeah. be intrigued to see how, how their legacy will be lived out in, in the, the next Marvel phase. Which, yeah. I, well, and also, because like you're saying, I think art art reveals the current culture, art can influence the current culture, and we see that. And so, for some reason, Marvel's been able to do a little bit better with its storytelling than DC Yes. Um, and we'll see again how the future rolls. So, I, and also because Disney now owns MC, how they're going to do with it, and um, with Marvel, sorry, the MCU. Um, well, really, in the television side, as they're trying to pull yeah, that way. Yeah, and and I think there's, um, and I think so far early on, they were able to give their characters complexity, but still, you knew which each character was. Like you weren't confused on their characteristics, on their strengths, and where they stood. Um, but they could still be complex people dealing with a complex world. And so, and I don't think uh, DC has been able to do that. Like you're saying, it's almost been very muddled. You're not entirely sure what's going on. Well, you're you don't not know. entirely sure who to root for. Exactly, you yeah. Out, yeah. You're, you're like, wait, am I, do I, do I want Superman to win? Um, and so maybe, hopefully, uh, uh, DC can do better. Though I, um, uh, I enjoyed the last movie with um, Harley Quinn. Um so, I don't know. They might be finding some success. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> we shall find out. Well, we'll wrap up there. I think that was a good conversation. Um, we're going to get to a Bible study, and then we're going to play Buy, Sell, or Hold. We're going to have some fun at the end of this with some fall stuff. Mm. That's we're getting close to fall. But it's not officially fall yet, so that's going to be part no, of the Buy, Sell, or Hold. How ready are you for fall? We'll get now. to all that. <laughs> we'll get to all that in a moment. So, thank you for joining us. We will be back.
All right, as we are coming back, you know, our world really does need inspiration. And when we look to the Holy Scriptures, we are reminded that it's all true. It's all true. And tonight, Pastor Mike is going to lead us in a study as we look to our Holy Scriptures. So, Pastor Mike, if you would, lead us off. Okay, well, we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 1 through 6. And so, it is uh, a letter from the Apostle Paul who is writing to the church at Corinth who has had some, well, they've had some uh, super apostles, super preachers come in and speak. And uh, obviously it has, they are saying and preaching something other than the gospel. So uh, I'm going to ask Pastor Amanda, if she will, to go ahead and read this passage from um, the what we consider the second letter of Corinthians. We're not sure how many letters are there for sure. It looks like maybe the second letters combined some uh, multiple letters. But nonetheless, there is this is an ongoing thing that Paul is dealing with. And as we've been talking about superheroes, um, we need some heroes in, in the in the in the church world today. So, Pastor Amanda, will you read that for us? Sure. Hear the word of the Lord from Second Corinthians chapter eleven, verses one through six. I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do bear with me. I feel a divine jealousy for you, for I promised you in marriage to one husband to present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by its cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you submit to it, you submit to it readily enough. I think that I am not in the least inferior to these super apostles. I may be untrained in speech, but not in knowledge. Certainly in every way and in all things, we have made this evident to you. Okay. Well, you know, obviously Paul is uh, being sarcastic in his language when he calls the, uh, those uh, evangelists or whatever that are co- corrupting the gospel as super apostles. But looking back and looking at our letters that we have uh, and the disciples who became apostles, I, I want to say that Paul is the super apostle himself, even though he's being sarcastic. Uh, what is your thoughts on this, uh, Pastor Dylan? Well, you know, Paul Paul is writing to to the fact that there are people that are going to be bringing deception. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is principally one of the things that he he addresses throughout a lot of his writings. I mean, this is one of the reasons why he is so moved. And this is one of the reasons why the various churches, they, they kept all these letters in circulation because deception is a big problem. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes, one of the things that I find is that people are, are largely unwilling to admit that they are being deceived. And, you know, the fact that you kind of talk about Paul using sarcasm there, being able to, to mock those who are deceiving, sometimes draws some truth to it. You know, like the Babylon Bee is extremely effective. <laughs> And, and pointing out just how you are being deceived by something by bringing that level of mockery to it. And so I think this is actually some, some skilled maneuvering there that Paul does because wholehearted evil, it comes to you presenting itself as innocence. And this is something very common in our modern world. So that's really my take on it. You know, Pastor Amanda, a lot of times, especially in some of these comic book heroes and movies that we've been talking about, it's like the 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 enemy or the the villain. He he almost has this popularity at some point in time before he changes. And is it you know that does that kind of fit this story? You think that? Yeah. Well, and I think one, it, it's it's easier, and therefore it's going to be popular to kind of uh, to follow these super apostles whether it's because of apathy or you're allowed to do things that are destructive to others but maybe helpful for yourself. For whatever reason, it does seem they, they, they get more attention. Um, and like uh, what Pastor Dylan was saying, you know, people, whether because they want it to fall for it or they don't want to admit that they fell for it, they're not willing to take that step and in being into looking into these things. And so, um, and I also, like, I think it's interesting like Paul in the sarcastic language, he's not acting out of jealousy, although he does say I'm jealous, but it's not like a, a petty jealousy. This is truth. Um, and if you're falling for something that's not truth, then this is the, the consequences of these actions. Yeah. Yeah. I think that jealousy is, is more of they are, he is jealous for the people there. In other words, he loves them. He doesn't want to see them being deceived and hurt uh, and mm-hmm. torn away from the gospel. Uh, you know, this passage, as we've, we've already articulated, is about false teachers. 
And, you know, the question is, we have those, I'm going to use Paul's language here, super preachers today that are scratching ears. And I believe totally that it's harmful to the gospel. And um, so I'm going to ask you this. Are, uh, this is just a yes or no question. <laughs> Do you believe there are, and I'm going to use Paul's language, super preachers today that are corrupting the gospel? Yes. Dylan? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's obvious, but uh, just, you know, I think people are sometimes deceived and confused and, and all of these things. All right, so we've got one more here I want to, uh, you know, I believe, as I said earlier, that I, that Paul is really using sarcastic, that he is the super apostle himself, uh, in my book anyway. And so he he is not the greatest orator, but the ones who were coming, obviously they had been trained in, in speech, and they were very good at arguing, and Paul may have not even been able to win an argument with him. Nonetheless, we must realize that Paul is not condemning knowledge. In fact, I think knowing Christ, the knowledge of knowing Christ, is the greatest decision we could ever make. However, to know Christ is is a, that one-time moment, but it is an ongoing action that lasts throughout our life. So I want to ask this question, you know, I think there are still what we all would consider Apostle Pauls in this world today, um, in a sense that they have invested in us, they have led us in the right direction. And um, so I'm going to give each one of you and myself an opportunity. Name one person that you could say in your life is uh, is an Apostle Paul to you. And I'm going to start with Amanda, which has a whole host of family that are Apostle Pauls, to be honest. Yeah, I think there's many people in my life I could claim. Um, I think the person, if I can name just one, I would name uh, my mammal. And I think the reason for that is, especially if we're talking about kind of learning and education, I remember uh, shortly after we had moved out of their house, uh, we stayed with them after my first dad passed away, and then my mom remarried, and we moved. And we came back, and they had turned one of our bedrooms into kind of a library. And I remember my memo telling me about something, and I think she was it was some it was about biblical information. I can't remember exactly what it was, but she was explaining a map to me, and it was there that I learned that she actually studied Latin and uh, theology of the church. And and as a kid, I just remember thinking, well, no, Mamal doesn't like. I don't, she had always been mammal and she hadn't been like a great biblical scholar in my mind. And so this was very mind blowing for me as a little kid to hear this. Um, and, and also because she always was a supportive role. Uh, she wasn't the preacher. She wasn't a teacher. She, but she supported preachers and teachers and she, she opened up her home and her life to taking care of preachers and teachers. And so it was just for me to see someone who never fit within that typical quote-unquote pastoral role and yet was so pastoral and so uh, invigorated in studying and learning scripture and, and studying and teaching uh, her children and her grandchildren and her great-grandchildren that and so she's been a great inspiration of just this uh, continual ministry in, in whatever context she has found herself. She, she may have not had the the uh, title as pastor or apostle but there is no doubt that she she invested in you mm. tremendously, and that's what we see Paul doing in 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 the churches and other people. Dylan, well, I'm going to take this a little bit different <laughs> avenue. Um, so, th- when you look at Paul, Paul he obviously gives a lot of moral correction to the church. He he lays down a lot of precise theological concepts, and he does so in such a way that really elevates the truth of God above not just himself. He, he goes out of his way to say, this is not something which is mine that belongs to me. Um, you know, because when the whole question asks, you know, who baptized you, things of that nature. So to look at somebody like that, it's got to be somebody who is giving that precision of theological correction. Um, and that's sort of more their goal than it is to just kind of go around and beat people with a club. So um, actually sitting over your, your head there, Dad, is the... A little blue Bible of Reverend Dan Spross, um, Doctor Spross, who who is he's been a preacher, he's done a lot of things, even from working on little roadster cars, but has also told a lot of people things they didn't want to hear, mm-hmm. um, and gave that moral correction to a variety of churches and a variety of people growing up and coming through the the stages of ministry, 
And the fact that he was willing to tell people a lot of things they didn't want to hear and draw that line, but not in order to elevate himself, because he, he has a very good attitude about this stuff, but also willing to, to point people towards truth and say, whether or not you like it, this, sort of, this is the this is it. <laughs> this, this is what is the you way. got. Um, so, yeah, that's what I would say. Uh, you know, maybe Dan Sprouse is the, the one who needs the lasso of truth uh, <laughs> to put on people. And, of course, uh, he is, you know, I think he's a mentor to probably a lot of us in, in this world. Uh, especially in this room, I'm I'm going to say that for me, um, uh, I've got a lot of people I could I could name, um, including you guys here in this room. But for me, I think you know Norman Ritchie uh, was someone who had been in ministry, retired, uh, and he 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 admittedly had made some mistakes. And during that time between his retirement and the time that he come to really come in and mentor me, he had made some changes. Uh, in in God had worked on him, and I mean he was a tremendous mentor and encourager. So, uh, and uh, he had a lot of uh, what do you call that vinegar in the blood? Uh, unchained, unchained vinegar. vinegar. He had a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but he also had a lot of compassion and love for the people, and uh, I thank God for that. Okay, so uh, that kind of wraps up our Bible study. I want everyone who is watching to, to not only identify who might be investing in you and be that Apostle Paul to you, but also to encourage you to invest in others to be, um, whether it be a Mammal or a Paul or a Dan Spross or, or a Norm Ritchie, but to be that for someone else because that is, uh, you know, really what God calls us to be is to invest in others. Um. All right, so we'll wrap that up. We'll be back here in a moment. Thank you all for joining us. All right, as we are coming back together, we do need inspiration. You know, we look around our world right now. There are so many destructive things, particularly here in our nation, here in America, and we look at the, the great principles, the great aspiration that we, we find from the Holy Scriptures, and we want restoration, we want revival to come, where our nation can rise up and be a, a righteous force for God that is unique. Again, no earthly nation is, is the kingdom of heaven, and we should never confuse ourselves of that, but we are called to aspire to the great nobilities of, of, of God, the great honorable virtues which God has set before us. And that being said, it matters how we organize our lives. And we're going to have some fun playing buy, sell, a hold with fall decorations for something that's completely different now. Um, <laughs> this is a little bit of our unholiness today segment. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to look at 10 fall decor, fall decor related questions. And keep in mind, this is the first week of September. Um, so it's not officially fall yet. No. So we're going to play with this. And here in October, we're going to do another buy, sell, or hold with real images of fall decorations. And, well, do and we got some good ones uh, already. Already, yeah. Mm. All right, so are you all ready for this? How yes. the game works is if you buy it, you like it. If you sell it, you're not. And if you're holding it, and then you say, oh, I don't know. Maybe it's garbage. Maybe it's not. But you only get one hold per episode. So you all out there listening to this, send me your thoughts, questions, and comments. And without any further hesitation, let us begin. So, first on buy, sell, or hold is simply this premise. It's the beginning of September. Is it time for fall decorations yet? So, the first buy, sell, or hold question is, are we buying any fall decorations before September? You know, fall doesn't begin for about another 10 days towards you, the end of September. What about fall decorations actually appearing as early as September while we're still in summer? What do y'all think about that? Buy, sell, or hold? I'm going to go with sell, or... Yeah, I'm going to sell the idea of getting decorations early, but it's not kind of like the same premise of why people are like, don't put up your Christmas tree yet. It Like, do what you want. But it's also, I think it's misleading because, like, I bought two sweaters a week ago because they were on sale, and I was like, oh, and I got myself so excited to wear sweaters because I love fall weather and I love fall clothing and I just, like, fall's my favorite season. And I got myself so excited for it, but then it doesn't happen because it's 90 degrees and, like, 90% humidity. So I think we trick ourselves and it just makes it more miserable. So just, like, keep the fall decorations down and then when it actually gets cool, bring them out. Oh, so you're selling simply on the fact that it's a lie to have them yes, out this early. Yes, it's a lie. I can, I can agree with that one. Mike? I'm going to buy... Only if the cottonwoods are starting to shed a few leaves and we have a cold day or two every now and then. Um, I just, I'm just i excited about fall. It's one of my favorite times of the year. So I'm ready for summer to leave, and, and I, I'm going by. Oh, no. 
I'm going to sell like Amanda for the same reason. Don't, don't, don't tease me. Don't tease me. Um, all right. So getting on to our next proposition um, regarding fall decorations, even though they're not quite here yet, but they're, they're here a lot of places. Um, carved <laughs> pumpkins. What do we think about this? Whether they be jack-o'-lanterns, people putting their family, you know, last name, name on there, you know, SP, whatever, or just a leaf, <laughs> like in this one that I've got pulled up. What do you think about that? Carved pumpkins. Yeah, I think they're nice. I think, though, the thing is, if you're going to do a real carved pumpkin, so not a plastic one or a wooden one that you've painted, but if it's a real, real pumpkin, you got to be careful about the critters you're going to be calling into and also to pay attention to once like they start rotting and things like that. And actually, I think there are some places that can help advise you on how to dispose of your pumpkin properly because it can actually feed some of the wildlife without endangering yourself or endangering the animal. So just be a conscious uh, decorator. <laughs> so I'll buy it. Um, I'm going to buy. I think it's a great family activity. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm going to buy for that reason. I, some of my favorite moments of uh, fall festival is, is carving pumpkins with family. Um, big sale. Pumpkins are nasty. <laughs> they have always been nasty. They stink wretchedly. So no, no to the pumpkins. Um, that being said, next on our list are giant spiders. Giant spiders. Mm. Um, these might be made out of hay. Sometimes these are just giant spiders that that you find that are decorations that people put in trees, like the big plastic spiders and things that you buy, whatever they may be. What do we think about this? Amanda, do you you need the giant uh, spider? Yeah, no, I I don't like little spiders. I'm not sure making them bigger is a good idea. Um, I think we used to do something, you could buy bags uh, for your fallen leaves and you fill them up and then it makes a spider oh, out yeah, of it. yeah, I have seen those. And I'm like, okay, that's like, again, if, if there's some kind of like real pragmatic problem that you're solving with these decorations, I'm a little bit more prone to them. Uh, but as far as just slapping on a giant spider, that's terrifying. So um, I'm going to I'll just I'm going to sell this one in general, although well, there may be exceptions. You know, there, there's an interesting question that is associated with this. And I was actually asked this by my grandmother yesterday. She was like, why do people like monsters? Mm -hmm. Which I mean, I watch a lot of movies that have mm -hmm. monsters in and we play games. Me and Derek, because we do like a nightly conference call. Me and my, my brother and some other another friend we have. We all live, you know, an hour or two hours away from one another. So we get online. We kind of use that as a chat. Um, and we do a lot of stuff with monsters. Um, but my grandmother, she saw a commercial yesterday. She's like, why do people like monsters? And, you know, it is an interesting question. Why do people want a big giant monster in the yard? They're like, yeah, what if I had a big old spider? Like, yeah. I, I think the, the, the evil we can control is always better than the evil we can't. And so we like horror movies. We like giant spiders. We like Halloween uh, because it makes the terrible things of the world a little bit funnier and a little bit more controllable in our lives. Uh, that could be plausible. I mean, especially when you take a look at the giant spider here that's like the corrugated <laughs> pipe and it's the the hay roll. You know, that's not something which is very menacing, right. to, to put it nicely. Um, it's really not. Um, so, yep, I think there's one slipping back in here. Uh, Pastor Mike, and now it is your turn to answer the buy, sell, a whole question. Do you want the giant spiders in your yard? Yes or no? No, <laughs> no. Um, so that's a sale. Um, you know, spiders spiders creep me out. So I'm gonna sell on that. Mm -hmm. Uh, and yeah, I'm gonna sell as well. Actually, you know what? For the sake of it, I'll buy. It. Had a momentary <laughs> change of heart. Okay. So next up on our list, we have skeletons that are posed like the living. Mm. Now, before you associate that with skeletons posed like the dead, that's coming up later on the list. So skeletons that are posed like the living, and you get this in all sorts of crazy ways. Here we've got a, a skeleton taking a selfie. Um, here we've got skeletons digging in the yard. They're doing garden work. They're over here working on these bushes. So it's like having like the pink flamingo or the garden gnome. So they're just skeletons. Yeah, they're just out there doing it. Here we've got three skeletons there with their cowboy hats. They've got like their red <laughs> solo cup cooking marshmallows on a fire. So skeletons that are posed like they're alive. Are we buying this or selling this? Is I'm going to sell because, again, the same reason as garden gnomes and pink flamingos. It's just a little tacky okay. in my opinion. I'm going to buy you gonna buy? I, you know, I love I love going to Anakista at times, and they they have this tremendous. They they pose these uh, skeletons fishing, and uh, I don't know. It's just I'm gonna buy. I'm okay with it. You know, it 
I, I just realized I, I was going to sell this, but I think it's always because the skeletons are doing things that I, I despise. Uh, <laughs> like they're out there taking the selfies, <laughs> doing like yard work, which I know some people like mowing the yard. I don't Ugh. mind mowing the yard, but I, I hate fighting the lawnmower because the lawnmower always wants to break down on me. Um, it's a zero turn lawnmower, but it always has some problem. You know, if they were doing something that was an activity that I liked, maybe. But because they're usually doing something that I'd rather not do, sell. Mm. So that's on those grounds. All right. Well, up next on our list, uh, what about farm paraphernalia? This is something which is actually quite popular in the fall. You find people, they bring out like wagons. Mm. They they have like toy tractors or maybe a real tractor that's decorated up. Maybe they have like a hay ride and they just leave the wagon in the front yard. Right here we've got a little wagon. Sometimes you see wheelbarrows and stuff come out and kind of rakes and things sit around. So what do you think about this farm paraphernalia? implements tools and things like that decorated up for fall is that that's something we're buying selling or holding i think as long as it's not dangerous because like you know it's like going to um not golden corral um <laughs> the dangers of golden barrel. Corral. crackle barrel yeah. like you go to crackle barrel and there's like a rusty saw above your head like that that i don't appreciate but um the uh, in general i'll buy uh, I, I'm going to buy. I'm rural, <laughs> and it doesn't matter how dangerous uh, it is for me. You know, I, maybe I'm crazy, but yes. I really enjoy the an- antique uh, farm equipment paraphernalia brought out. I have a, a couple parishioners it, just going down their their road. They've got uh, some old hay rakes and things out there. It is just absolutely beautiful. I think personally, so and, I buy, and I'm going to buy too. It, Amanda's worried about like it being insane. I'm fine with like a saw. Like you want to put up like a, you know, combine out there that looks like it's eating eating me. Like okay, I can deal with that. I'll buy that. Uh, my I like my it thing's decorated though. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, which which is decorated. Yeah. Um, but my thing is, you got to like. Since we brought up Cracker Barrel, I've been at Cracker Barrel before where they have bedpans hanging above you, like antique bedpans. Like that, nothing says appetizing, like eating up under a bedpan. Like that, that, that's always just rings so nice. Quality right Quality there. Quality right there. Yeah, you're eating up under your Blast. bedpan. Which evidently somebody is there to buy the bedpan because they've got like a little tag on it where they're for sale, but like, no. No, just no. I'd, no. I'd keep, keep the bedpans, the chamber pots, but um, I do like saws and stuff like that. So that I, could, I could deal with that. All right, so next up on our list is skeletons again. But these are skeletons that are made to look like they're dead. So they've got like a fake mm. crime scene out in the yard, whether it be someone or a ghost or a skeleton hanging. Um, just the idea of you've, you've kind of tried to make a crime scene. So what about that? I'm going to sell it uh, because, I don't know, Like this is going to make me sound super superstitious, and I'm not. But it's 2020, people. We don't need to be messing with this. Like... We don't need, you know, have you seen that kind of funny comic online where like someone's uh, putting a skeleton in their yard and everyone's like, what are you doing? We'll call the cops. And they're like, oh no, no, it's Halloween decorations. But it, it like, and the, the joke is though, actually they were trying to hide a body. Yeah. Like, like it's things like that. I'm just like, let's just not even, let's yeah. just not even play with this. It's just yeah. not, it's just not good. So I'm going to sell. Mike. Oh, <laughs> it's hard to follow up behind Pastor Amanda. Always. I'm going to buy because of Ezekiel and the dry bones and coming back to life. I think there's an element of resurrection coming out, breaking out of the ground, and I know it's more than the bones, but you know, I, 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 I'm going to buy because I think it leads into conversations for me. I know it's hard. It's hard. I know I may, I may lose my credentials. You, you know, now, this but. is something I never thought would happen. A biblical defense for the like ghouls hanging in your trees and like <laughs> skeleton crime scenes in the yard. You know, as pastors, we're constantly dealing with evil and mm-hmm. and uh, and having to and pointing pointing to God and so. Uh, you know, d- dealing with things that kill and and destroy. I think it opens up conversations that that you know sometimes you just got to use whatever you can to to uh, uh, help point people to Christ. You know, I was gonna sell this, but I just watched you throw a hail mary pass and make a <laughs> biblical defense for I had skeleton to follow Pastor Amanda. What do you want me to do? And and since and out of out of respect for that hail mary pass you just threw. <laughs> Um, I've got to buy it, man. I, I, okay. I did not know that anybody would come with like some like biblical stories to defend their their ghouls hanging in the yard. But since you, you were willing to go there, so I'm going to give you a buy on that one. Yeah. Um, put all. Uh, it yeah. was good. Yeah, yeah that was good. I'm, I'm impressed. All right. Next up, we have uh, cemeteries in your yard. 
So when people put up the little foam plastic cemetery things, so what do we think about that? I'm going to sell for the same reason I sold the other one. Again, like, just don't be messing with this stuff, people. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not good. Mike? Well, it's hard to follow Pastor Amanda, but I'm going to buy again simply because I think a, a a small rural church with a cemetery beside the, the church, it connects the, the dead with us. And I know we're talking about fall decoration, and it's probably going in a different direction than that. But nonetheless, we are connected to Christ, and, and through Christ, it also connects us to those who've gone on before us. And um, there's testimony there, and there's hope. And so, I, you know, I know it's it. You know, you can go either way with it, but I'm just gonna buy. Uh, I don't take no holds around here, so I'm gonna buy it <laughs> simply because. Um, but in all honesty, a, a lot of people are one of the real worries because I used to to work as a real estate agent. I was a realtor while I was in. Um, Grad school, but aside from all that, there were a lot of people that were worried about a cemetery being on their property because there were several houses that I showed uh, over the the few years that I did that that actually did have a cemetery either adjoining it or it was kind of on the property um, in a sense. And there were a lot of people who would kind of be worried with that. Some people didn't mind, but it actually was was quite a, a it was a big deal to a lot of people. Um, and my thing is, you know, I actually think it could be quite honorable. To, to have something like that, like I'm talking about like a real cemetery. I'm yeah, not, that's what, yeah, the yeah. real cemetery y'all are talking about, I'm cool with. It's the fake ones. I'm just like, why are we playing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. I, yeah, I see your point. I, I, I actually think there could be some, a lot of people really creeped out by having a cemetery on your lot. It wouldn't bother me. I actually think there could be, it'd be a, a noble thing to, to, to live there and kind noble of have that under your care, provided you actually take care of it. Now, yeah. if you just decide you're going to, you know, park your old, you know, Facebook Marketplace four hundred dollar Nissan two forty SX on jack stands over there. You know, no. But if you're gonna actually take care of it and and have it done in a respectful way, I think it could be something, an honorable um, thing to to take care of those who have who have passed away before us. Mm -hmm. All right, so we're almost done with this list. Uh, we'll kind of speed things up. Next up, inflatables. So you get here like the pumpkins made to look like a snowman. Um, but you also find other things. So there's an inflatable like sinking ship that was <laughs> I saw the other day. It was How like the Flying years? Dutchman from SpongeBob. Oh, okay. I thought you meant like sinking ship like the Titanic. And no, I was gonna not be like, like that. Well, what do you think uh, about it? Buy, sell the inflatables. Sell. You're selling, Mike. I'm good with inflatables if if it's like a bounce house thing, <laughs> and I know that's a whole different direction. But the inflatables you're talking about, they even have moving inflatables now. More we'll pass. I'm gonna. I mean, sale. I'm gonna sell. You know, I would buy until I see like the price tag. Oh thing yeah, on they're these pricey. And, oh yeah. You know, if if you can afford to buy these things and you choose to buy it, I'll leave that up to each individual. These <laughs> things are expensive. Some of them are are neat. The mechanics they have. Um, but personally, I'm I'm gonna sell. All right. Next up on our list, and we're almost done, is one that's a little bit more obscure, but you do find them from time to time. Are the fall projectors. I and and these some of them have like a bat signal which looks kind of like Batman but then it's more like a vampire bat. Um, some of them have like a skull or something like that. They're kind of like the Christmas decorations people put on their house with the snow, but the fall version of those that you see each year from time to time. What do we think about these? Buy, sell, or hold? Buy. These are genius, genius. I, I am not a decorator. I don't enjoy decorating. I I, I whatever gene. Like my mom and my sister got that makes them just love decorating or like even Christy, like they, they get joy and excitement out of it. And it is like soul sucking for me. So these like projector things I think are genius because if you could get one that would switch out between the seasons, you just stick one projector in your yard. You hit it from leaves to pumpkins to, to, to snowflakes to hearts for Valentine's Day, then like Easter eggs for Easter. Then you could do fireworks for July 4th. And you never have to decorate your house again. This is brilliant so i'm gonna buy <laughs> i'm gonna sell i know it seems like i'm but i do not i don't know to me that just draws a lot i think the that is that should be reserved for christmas and i have one that does the different things uh not just snowflakes but you know you do whatever but i i like them it's just i don't like them in the fall yeah mm. uh i'm gonna buy and the reason I have for this is kind of interesting. I, I a couple of years ago, uh, knew somebody who was passing away, someone uh, connected with the church, and was ministering to them as they were 
through their their last stages of life and they couldn't get out and do a lot and their daughter had bought for them one of these projectors and kind of had it in the house rather than outside and gave them kind of something different to look at and would change things out and and in situations like that and this extends really to all decorations if you have some if if you have somebody who doesn't have an opportunity to see a lot of things and you can use decorations to bring somebody joy and give them something to to really stimulate them and, and just bring joy in life then then certainly buy um and you know that that was something which kind of it, it it brought joy to me to be there and see joy brought to someone. Now it wasn't like a fall decor. This was at Christmas time, but to see the projectors used in an inside setting to kind of give the house a decoration that was a little bit more than just something here or there. But to see the lights and the things move around on the walls and it goes across the ceiling too, it, it was just a nice sensation. So I would I would buy that. Um, and the last thing that we've got here are the the wreaths that people make that are fall oriented rather than Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you think about these? Again, buy. It's an easy way of decorating your home. And again, you can switch them out. And I've got a really pretty one that I think Christy made me. Um, and again, because I don't decorate, it's about my only decoration. So it's like I can be festive without <laughs> any effort. And yeah. it looks great. So yeah. I, I like reefs. I, yeah, I'm going to buy. I like reefs. I think, you know, there's something symbolic about um, e- eternity there that kind of goes with the with the circular thing so i love that but not only that i think you know i am married to the most wonderful decorator christy and she just has um you know great talents in decorating and the leaves and all of that things that she does uh, i really like that it gets you know, like i said fall is one of my favorite times of the year uh, and it and i i like it yeah i'm gonna buy two because i know some people that make some really talented reefs they they really do excel in putting these things together and they put you in the right mood for fall mm-hmm. Um, I'm not so big on the decorations being out in September because you kind of feel like it's a lie when you're smoldering outside and you feel like you're just in an ash heap. Um, but when fall is here and you see that, the sort of wraiths around everywhere and just the general colors and the, the nice decorations that are made like this, it does put you in the right mood. It, it kind of accents the church well and things of that nature. Duns, it does add that atmosphere that's really nice. So I, I'm big buy on this one. Um, those who make the wreaths and the leafy decorations, um, I have I've yet to see anybody that indulges that task that is not talented at it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of one of those self-selective. Somebody's going to bother with doing this. They they probably know how to do this in a really tasteful way, and they 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 look really good. Mm-hmm. So, so that being said, and and even if people haven't made them before, I would encourage people to go out and learn to do things. Um, Use your mind. And that's a, good, that's a good craft. My um, mom doesn't think she's very crafty, but she's made some fall leaves and Christmas leaves, uh, wreaths. And it's one of those crafts that's kind of easy, or it's very varied, so it can be very easy or very difficult depending on your proficiency. So to your point, like, yeah, it is it is something that can be very aspirational. It's a good hobby for people to use and to do, um, regardless of, like, you feel like your competency is. And just to give some joy to yourself, learning a new skill, but also joy to others by giving them a gift. So it's one of those things like, I think, you know, it used to be a big thing in a lot of churches, especially amongst the women of the church to do crafts together. And we've kind of lost that. And again, I am not crafty, Um, but there was great fellowship that happened because of it. And so that's something I think we may need to reclaim. And it doesn't have to be wreaths or crafts particularly, but some kind of uh, communal skill uh, that we participate in together. Sure. Well, as we wrap up this program, thank you for joining us. We are going to share our final thoughts here in a moment, but I would like to throw this out there. If you haven't subscribed to our channel, please do. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Facebook, and go to YouTube as well and subscribe to Kingdom of the Logos. We would greatly appreciate that. And if you want to grab a link and share it with your friends, we would love it. Also, if you want to reach out to us, you can do that at kingdomofthelogos at outlook.com or just look me up. Um, J. Dylan Proctor, you can find me on Parlor, on Facebook, on YouTube. You can find me a lot of different places. So look us up contact us. We are going to share our final thoughts, but one final little detail there. If you would like to help us out monetarily to pay some of the, the bills for technology and things and advertising, you can do that at patreon.com slash kingdom of the logos. And we thank you for joining us. And let's have some final thoughts today. Final thoughts about the world as we wrap up. Who would like to go first? Pastor Mike, you look like that mustache is <laughs> rising up with great anticipation. And yeah, you know, I think uh, as we are called to be uh, you know, the image of God that, you know, the question is, is there a hero in the house? Is there a hero that is willing to aspire? And I think, you know, as much as we, we looked at Batman and Superman and Captain America and uh, Wonder Woman, different superheroes, 
um, you know, the truth is we, we're going to have to rise up as a people um, and stand for righteousness and point to Christ Jesus. And so um, it, it's a challenge, but it is also an aspiration. Amanda? And it can be more lighthearted. Uh, so I, I don't even know if I've got, uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, oh, I just finished reading The Haunting of uh, Hill House, and um, I'm really excited. Uh, Netflix is doing another series based on a classic horror called The Haunting of Bl- Bly Manor. Um, I'm ready for some for some sc- scary and spooky stories. I just need the weather to uh, uh, cooperate to make yeah, it a full, well, the full effect. I, I'm, I'm ready for, for, uh, for fall, yeah. and I want it to be cold. Well, Pastor Mike, you had something else? Well, I got yeah, I got a little something else. Uh, <laughs> if, if I know everybody's noticed, I probably got an old uh, football jersey on, and so I guess got to say, go um, Montgomery Central Indians. I uh, got to speak to some of those guys yesterday, and they're playing, uh, uh, I think Northwest, and uh, outstanding group of uh, young men uh, with uh, you know very respectful and uh, very talented. My final thought is we need the bat phone for the U.S. Marshals. Um, we'll let them have a little bit more liberty in their jurisdiction as long as they are the defenders of children and puppies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean that to be like a sensation. I mean this like dead seriously. You know, we didn't talk a lot about Batman. Batman deals with those who slip through the cracks, who who get away with stuff, the corrupt politicians. He's He is the response to those in society who aren't held accountable who have weaseled their way into such a way where they can't be held accountable. And it looks like the U.S. Marshals are pretty good at holding people accountable that otherwise don't get held accountable. So, yeah, call them up on the bat phone. Just call them up. Hey, U.S. Marshals, uh, go to the Netflix headquarters and sort out the whole cuties things. Um, <laughs> send us a, a address and we'll clean up the the headquarters that's needed afterwards. And thank you for, for doing the work. Um, may God bless you. And on that... May God bless you out in your homes. Thank you for spending time with us. Again, this is Kingdom of the Logos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure. God love you, and have a blessed day.